Thursday, 2 p.m. Pacific time. That means it's time for Pillars of Franchising. I'm Fred McMurray, and I'm with my co-host, Ray Pillar. Ray, how you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? <laughs> How's the weather out in Bismo uh, Beach? Mm-hmm. Same old, same old. Yeah, it's, sunny, it's been chilly. 70 degrees, um, no, light breeze. It's- it's starting to clear up like it is behind me. Uh, but it ain't bad. It ain't bad. So who's our guest? I'm getting back. We'll get right to the guest. Okay. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> Our gonna... guest today is Michael Ape. What? What? Wait. Say that again. What? Our guest... Today is Michael Ace. Hi, Michael. How are you today? I'm great. Good. How are you? Good. You're looking good. Are you? Uh, I have to ask you, where are you at? I am in Denver, Colorado, at the Brown Palace Hotel. Fantastic. In Denver, didn't they get uh, hit pretty hard with some snow lately? Well, we've already had four snowstorms. The last one was. A uh, foot to three feet in some places. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> well, Michael, you are the uh, owner of the Teriyaki Madness franchise. Is wait, that wait, correct? Wait, wait, go back to this foot of snow. I thing. am. Wait, wait, we got to go back to the weather bit. Because <laughs> that means we've got, you know, California, whatever <laughs> it is, and Chicago, icky, and you guys got a foot of snow. That's right. <laughs> we didn't get any snow. Right now it's wow. uh, 45 degrees. It's, uh, it's a beautiful day. This is the kind of weather I like. Uh, I don't know about Michael, but it, 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 are you from uh, the Denver area or are you just visiting? No, no, I grew up here. Uh, we got about 50 degrees today. It's, uh, we've never had so much. Yeah. 
It's tough to hear the question. I've got some feedback going on. My first franchise was Maui Wowie Hawaiian. I built that to uh, about 650 units around the world uh, when I discovered a company called Doc Popcorn. And I helped them build to about 100 units in about two and a half years. I uh, was approached by the founders of Teriyaki Madness to do the same thing with them. And uh, we they had seven units in Las Vegas. This was about five and a half years ago. And um, sat on the board, invested in some of the uh, some of the company, and after a while, I ended up um, buying out the founders. They wanted to go back to building shops, and I knew how to be a franchisor, and I saw the potential. I sold all of my companies, invested in Teriyaki Madness, and really started just getting the best team I possibly could. There's a lot of fast casual brands in Denver, and um, had some great people who joined the team. We've really stepped on the gas, and um, we're now really growing quickly with some really quality franchisees all around the country, Mexico, and Canada. Wow. That's fantastic. Uh, I noticed uh, that you have uh, a, a one in my, my backyard in Lombard, Illinois, on Butterfield Road. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I didn't uh, tell everybody, but most people, most of our audience know uh, I'm, I'm I'm in Aurora, Illinois, and uh, uh, so I'm, I have not been to a teriyaki madness yet, and uh, I love, you know, I, I think most people like teriyaki for Japanese types of food, so uh, it's be uh, interesting to give it a taste anyway. Well, I have to send it to free ball cards and you can check it out. Yeah. I also uh, noticed that uh, you're planning on uh, opening. Uh... Yeah, we've already got three that are uh, in construction. Um, they're being opened. And the more we open, the more we open because people go in, they try it, and they see the lines of people. They see how the, the simplicity of the business, and it's um, just feeding on itself. It's It's really gratifying. Yeah. I, I like the uh, <laughs> feeding on itself. That's pretty cool. <laughs> As no pun intended. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, just out of curiosity, I, I, I asked the question uh, how many franchises do you have right now? Yeah, we've got about 100 franchisees. We just opened in Cleveland, Tennessee yesterday for number 68. Wow. We'll finish the year around 75. And we've got another 75 in construction and real estate. Um, so next year we should finish, gosh, about 150 shops already. Wow. That's, that's really explosive growth, isn't it? Is it not for a restaurant concept? Oh, it's crazy growth. I, you know, I've been through this before with both uh, Duck Popcorn and Maui Wowie. I think the, the lesson learned over the last 20 years of doing this is make sure that there's a really robust team of folks who have been there, done that, and can really help the franchisees at all levels. If we're going to see growth like this, and we expect to grow even faster over the upcoming years, got to have the people to do it. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's always important. The right people in the right place at the right time. Right. 
So have you asked, Ray, your normal question of what's it cost to get into a uh, bowl of teriyaki? I'm, no, I'm saying uh, into a teriyaki <laughs> bandit franchise? Yeah, I, that hasn't been asked yet. It's um, It ranges from between about 175 to as high as 600000 It depends on whether we do a retrofit, which we do a lot of. Depends on the market. Depends on the size of the shop. Depends on a lot of stuff. We're typically more towards the low end. Uh, but, gosh, it's amazing how many great retrofits there are out there that already have bathrooms and hoods and that kind of thing. And we... Um, we go into as little as 1,300, 1,400 feet, and we can because we do so much third-party delivery and takeout and catering. So it's um, it's one of those business models that can really flex to any size. If a franchisee would like to go ahead and build a small shop, uh, they have that opportunity. If they want to build a big one on a on a hard corner that costs a little bit more, um, we work with them on that too. Wow. So then I'll get into some more geekier questions. How many how many multi-location, I know we've talked to some of the restaurants, or at least in, as we've done the show, uh, Potbelly's was one where they're only looking for people who want to have many, own many locations. Um, are many of your franchisees uh, multi-location owners or not? Yeah, that's a great question. We, when I built the team, my goal was to really give people their shot at owning a business. The team is there to support folks, whether they have business or restaurant experience. Um, they're also there to be able to uh, work with folks who have the experience with many, many units. Uh, it's We don't care. It, we could take the Chick-fil-A model where we want the operator there on one shot every day of the, the week. That works for us. Or folks who have experience building out 10, 20, 30, 40 shops and having the team to go ahead and support that. So uh, we've seen case studies where it works in any way, and we support whatever the franchisee wants to do, as long as it matches our culture and our community goals. So I'll jump quick. You hit the C word, um, cultural. Uh, that's a that's – a, uh, from usually from the franchisees um, I've talked to uh, one of the top reasons they wanted to buy a franchise was for work-life balance. And one of the big things that one of those balance factors was culture. So how would you describe to a potential franchisee what your culture is like? So we use the word culture multiple times. So when we have a franchise candidate, the thing that we focus on the most is does their culture match our community? Our culture is a reflection. I think all cultures are a reflection of the leadership of the organization. And we really are, we're an irreverent brand. We don't want to fall into the sea of noise of all the other brands out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sometimes take risks with our marketing. We want some people to really sit up and take notice, but we are irreverent. We focus on healthy food. We focus on hard work. We really value transparency and, visib- and visibility, trust franchisees and, fran- and the franchisor. So our culture in, I think, one word is irreverent. We really communicate that through all of our marketing, all of our collateral. Uh, we want to be that brand where people um, 
really can, can identify with. We are not trying to appeal to everyone. We just really want to resonate with a group of people that we feel matches our culture and our core values. I love it. Irreverent. I don't know if I've, I've been described that way before, but I don't know if I've <laughs> raised described me that way before. Um, but that's, oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sorry. That's going to, I'm going to add that to the post on the show. Uh, you know, the irreverent culture. Ooh, I love it. Yeah. You hit my top 10 list. <laughs> that was easy. One word. Yeah, really. It's uh, yeah, just culture the right is word. Important. And, uh, and we talk a lot about that on the show. And I feel uh, with the employment situation as it is today, it becomes even more important importance because there's always another job for your employee somewhere else. And you've got to give them a reason to stick around. And uh, uh, usually the only reason it is, is the culture. Uh, because uh, pay doesn't always make it and, and benefits doesn't always, you know, people will stick around simply to, to uh, because they like you or they like uh, their fellow employees. I think that's a great point. Our corporate level and our franchisees really run the gamut of, background. There's some old folks in there like me, and I was just coming out of a strategic planning meeting. We were talking about how many millennials have stuck around for three or four years in our organization, just mm -hmm. kind of define the stereotype. They work hard. They've been there for a long time. The, the folks who are older who have been around the block, you know, we're used to butts and seats early and staying late. They have a very different work style but they still accomplish a, a fantastic amount. Our franchisees come from, uh, we've got a fair amount from India. We've got folks from different countries. We've got rural folks, urban folks, rich folks, poor folks. How do we all match the culture of irreverence and create a really strong community where we want to support each other? That's extremely important, supporting each other. Um, Fred? Oh, sorry. Um, I love that idea, an irreverent community. Sorry, we had a caller. Um, sorry, I lost you, caller. Um, call back. Uh, had to get a different head, headset for the, to take yeah. the people in the green room. So, um, but I love the idea of an ir irreverent community. Um, yeah, I'd move there, unless it were snowy. Uh, <laughs> People here sometimes think I obsess about weather, and I probably do for the. Um, but I'm Midwestern, so weather's part of my life, so I obsess about. It. So, um, where do you see uh, the biggest areas of growth for uh, Teriyaki Madness, and where would you like to be growing that you're not? Yeah, I'm going to answer that on both a business model type and a geography type. So obviously, um, well, not obviously, teriyaki started in Washington. We are a Seattle-style teriyaki. Mm. The West Coast um, really understands our business model. Canada understands our business model. When we opened in Tennessee and Alabama, I was a little bit nervous. But the franchisees who had experience, 
convince me that it would do well, and it did. It's amazing how well we're doing in the South and on the East Coast. People are really excited for something that maybe they haven't even had before. Uh, I'd love to go ahead and open um, really on the East Coast because it is a uh, virgin territory, and we have had such a great reception. But it's kind of a trick question because where do I don't want to open? That's really nowhere. In 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 Mexico, um, we've we've uh, got a, a a bit of a, a, a beachhead. Um, we're doing really well in Mexico City, and we're starting to migrate south. Um, in Canada, we're opening in Lethbridge, and we've got an enormous amount of interest in Canada. Why wouldn't this work in the Middle East? Why wouldn't this work in in places where everyone likes healthier food? likes customizable bowls of, of awesomeness, and they like chicken, grilled chicken. There's not a whole lot of people who don't like grilled chicken. So um, it, that's the geography, the, the business model, non-trads, uh, being able for travelers to be able to stop and get a bowl of something healthier than pizza, burgers, or sandwiches. Um, and so airports and train stations, we're going into uh, military bases. We're going on to Fort Knox in the next couple of weeks. So there's a whole lot of opportunity here. I, I guess the real question is, where do you want to go? I think there's a few places. I don't know how well it'll do in Japan. So we may not go there in, in the near future. Now this is not authentic. <laughs> right. Right. Very acumenous. Uh, uh, okay. Um, I like that. Yeah. So 85% of our listenership um, is actually in the U.S. We've got 15% out. So, folks, if, you, um, if you're outside the U.S. and you're interested and there's not one there, Michael's ready to expand there, right? <laughs> With the right partners. So fill out the form. We'll get you connected to Michael or the right people <laughs> there. Um, so I was on the phone with uh, one of our – the. Uh, uh, COO of, of a past guest who's going to be coming back and being one of our uh, special female co-hosts. Um, and uh, we were discussing at IFA his, where he'd like to expand. And I had asked him, you know, well, did he make it out to um, uh, Vegas or uh, Phoenix or into California yet? And he goes, no, but they still want to. I said, yeah, I know. It's where you want to travel to. And in the warm places. So you can't say that with you. You'll go anywhere that has good partners. Ray? I've got a coat. Ray, go for it. <laughs> um, the question that came to mind is we talked a little bit about what may draw a particular investor to to your franchise, but what draws uh, customers to your franchise? Uh, and we, you know, we really didn't talk about. I mean, obviously, it's a it's a success. Um, and is there something about the food? Is it or the way it's prepared, or uh, is there some? Uh, you know, give me some insight into what what draws a prospective customer into a a uh, teriyaki. Well, we really focus on keywords. Profitability, number one. Um, healthy is another one. Simplicity, uh, 
coachability, uh, support. We are a little different. After doing this for 20 years and working with over a 1,000 franchisees and all my different brands, I've learned that what folks really want, they want someone by their side, someone who can help them identify the real estate. A lot of these people don't know anything about real estate. Someone who can help them review bids from GCs for construction. Uh, that's something that we really provide above and beyond. But more than anything, someone who can help them be profitable and successful so they can expand into multi-unit franchise, multi-unit um, teriyaki madnesses. Mm-hmm. And that really is the key. Do we care? Do we care about their profitability? I think that's a, a, a bit of a, a criticism that franchisees have of most franchisors. They don't really care. They just want their royalty. Well, I care because I want them to expand. I want them to build multiple shops. I want them to, I've got an obligation. If I say you don't have, need to have any restaurant experience, I now have an obligation to provide the support, provide the systems and processes, and provide the business model so you can be successful and we can train you how to be successful with Interiaki Madness. Most franchisees, in my experience, want someone that they can trust. They don't want to get ripped off. They don't want to be left out on their own. And that's really what we've built is a team of 35 people really fast. Remember, we only have 68 shops open right now who can go ahead and review their profit and loss statement every single month with them to identify opportunities for profitability. We uh, share everybody's sales with each other um, in the franchise system. They see every shop, all the same store sales numbers, all the average volume numbers, all the prices that are charged. And we also share with them what we call, um, it's called chat meter. It rolls up all of our social media and everyone in the system sees everybody else's social media Yelp reviews every single morning. And it's that transparency and visibility. And I'm going to use the word community again. That's what people are looking for. They want to be part of a community that matches their culture and is supportive and will help them accomplish their goals. They most likely all have different goals, but how can we identify them and help them accomplish them? Very long answer to a very simple question. I apologize. Oh, no, no, that's a very good answer. And I I really appreciate it. But I think uh, Fred is probably going to want to do a commercial. I can see the look in his eye. <laughs> so you, you, go ahead, Fred. Let's you, have a commercial. You hit it pretty much at the right time there, Ray. So yeah. <laughs> uh we want to thank the Link Local Network for broadcasting our audio today. We'll get we're getting the video, folks, so we'll rebroadcast the video later. Um and you get to see all the wonderful graphics we've been doing. Uh, reminder to the folks on the website, you can chat. So, And if you're just listening live, then pillarsoffranchising.com, you can go to and chat at me. Uh, and lastly, you can dial in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new move-ins to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you 
reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y.com. Thanks, Michelle. And now a word from Nick. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. Thanks, Nick. And every time he talks about 2,000 years, I think, dude, you're Greek. You, you know how old you are. Don't keep saying that. I mean, you know, just don't keep saying that. Um, as a final <laughs> reminder, you can also fill out the form on the site we, we and uh, pick the book, and we'll get make sure Nick gets the book. We're back with Michael and Ray. How are we doing, folks? <laughs> like you sound said, like you're on your own little world there for some reason. Well, yeah, I'll explain you later, but it's the audio only. Um, it's the audio only thing, <laughs> live audio. Um, so, what does a Ray will tell you that he was in technology in his prior career, and then he came to, as one of our frequent co-hosts says, cleaning toilets for a living. Um, it was a, a big <laughs> change there. So why do why do people come to want to buy one of your franchises as opposed to a service um, or a I don't know cleaning company, gutter company, car company? Why teriyaki madness? Where are they coming from? Is I guess my question. That's a great question. Well, they come from all walks of life. It's amazing how many people have always dreamed of owning their own restaurant. We're kind of restaurant light. We do real cooking, but we're we're pretty simple. And uh, gosh, some of our most successful franchisees have been IT executives their entire career. Um, you know, it's 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 interesting how many people have always wanted to own their own restaurant. Uh, we work with them very much before we grant them a franchise for them to understand exactly how hard it is to run any restaurant. Uh, they have to have at least some exposure to the restaurant industry because it is, it's, it's hard work. I think owning any, any business is hard work, but restaurants are are unique challenge. They, they certainly are. My, my dad was a restaurateur, so that's where I stayed away <laughs> that's not, <laughs> but you know that's that's another story. Um, 
one of the things that came to mind recently, um, the government is opening up a lot of opportunities for veterans. And this particular franchise sounds like it would be ideal for a veteran. Uh, do you have any veterans that are coming or any uh, special things for veterans available? Yeah, we do. We offer a 15% discount. Um, you know, we, we really, the, the brand resonates with veterans and first responders. Um, it's that protein forward kind of bowl. We have a whole lot of folks that come in and get spicy chicken with just vegetables, with extra chicken, extra protein. Um, it really resonates with guys. But just yesterday, we, we granted a, a standard franchise, which is three units, to somebody who'd been in the service for 28 years. And his uh, desire, his direction was to be able to mix with people, to, to maintain that transactional kind of business where he can have friends. He knows the customers. The customers know him, and he can really contribute to his community. I know all of that sounds corny, but it's amazing how many business owners want to really connect with the community and be able to um, uh, have some really something really tangible that feels really good that they can be proud of when they serve a great bowl, something as simple as a great bowl of food to their friends and family. That's really cool and very gratifying for me. <laughs> Yeah. No, actually, one of our pillars is giving back to the community, and that's something that has been borne out by uh, the vast majority of franchisees I've ever talked to. It's a, part of it was to give back to the community and, and be involved and make it a better place. Um, so I think that's a, that's a great, um, a great mm -hmm. connection, a great description. What do you find is the biggest surprise a franchisee uh, because you mentioned you you work have them work in the um, industry or in a restaurant for a bit what do you find is the biggest surprise that they have from in that first couple of years of well one how much hard work it is two how mentally exhausting it is to own your business whatever the business is um, but I think really what surprises people is how much um, their business is embraced by the community. If they're doing a really good job, finding employees is not difficult. If they're doing a really good job, finding customers is not difficult. It's really about execution. It's following the operations manual. I think every franchisor that probably comes onto the show talks about success is really Following the operations manual, it's pretty much what you bought. It's having a support to the operations manual, and it's been built over the last 20 years for us. Um, the biggest surprise is how busy their shops become, how, um, gosh, we've got some loyal, raving fans. We've got guys who work out at the gym across the way. They'll come in at 11 o'clock. They'll get a chicken breast and some vegetables, go lift again, and come back, sit in the same seat and order the same thing. And they'll do that five, six times a week. And I think that surprises everyone that you've got people who spend almost as much time in their teriyaki shop eating their food and depending on them as a, uh, as a retail establishment as they do anything, which is even a surprise to me. It's one of the things that attracted me to the brand was how loyal and raving the fans are of Teriyaki Madness. 
So I was going to ask you, I didn't see it, but I can't say that I totally looked. Um, did you, do you guys have a loyalty management program? We do. If there's one thing about Teriyaki Madness that I'm more proud than anything, it's our technology. We use a company called Olo. We use Punch. We use Chatmeter. We are at the forefront of third-party delivery. Our app is amazing. Um, we've got a loyalty program that's digital through Punch. We've got gift cards that are that are um, all technology. Um, the restaurant industry is evolving more quickly than I've ever seen in anything in my career. And I'm pretty old. I've been around for a while. But third-party delivery and catering and the app and the technology has accelerated within the last just couple of years to the point where independent owners, restaurant owners, have a really tough time investing the resources to keep up. And the big legacy guys are so used to their business model that they can't see the change coming. It's the emerging brands like Teriyaki Madness who get it. Here's the future and the future is now and you better be on board otherwise you're going to get left behind and getting left behind is is not a good thing. So I remember seeing that you did have a mobile app. Is it um when you have delivery coming you can order delivery and is the do you have a little bowl of teriyaki that shows up as an icon as it's coming toward like Uber? <laughs> We've got flames. We've got all kinds of stuff on there. <laughs> you know when your food's going to get there. Awesome. I love that. Ray? Yeah, uh, you mentioned that the key word there, technology, and, and it's amazing. Uh, cleaning toilets, you would think, you know, how can you work technology into that? And uh, it's amazing, though, that we uh, we track our teams very closely uh, with uh, you know uh, GPS devices. We know when they arrive, when they leave, how long they were there, and we actually you know uh, recalculate that for how long they're going to be there the next time and how long it's going to take them to get there. And so it's uh, the software that we use is is extremely complicated um it, it takes into account a lot of a lot of things uh and you would think something like scrubbing the inside of a toilet bowl would not be technical but <laughs> it can be it definitely can be so uh and then and then uh, you mentioned the loyalty program that's one of the things that i've recently become involved with is a loyalty program and uh I'm interested, and uh, you mentioned uh, one called Punch. Is that correct? Uh, I'm not uh, familiar with that. Can you it tell integrates. With, it's, it's mostly restaurants, and it integrates with Olo, and that's a consolidator of third-party delivery and other technology. Mm. So you'll deliver by drone when they get the drone technology available. <laughs> that's the day that they offer it, I am there. Yeah. You have to, you have to be, you have to be there. And the drones can say irreverent things. I love it. Um, (laughs) So, you know, healthy food is something that um, I got to agree with you. It's hard to find. Um, I know the last year um, uh, I've had to eat. I really had to change. It wasn't, I was dieting. I actually changed my diet. And on travel, it was always difficult um, to find healthy eating alternatives. Um, 
cholesterol is a killer. Do you think the food industry as a whole is uh, turning toward that way? Or um, is it just the, uh, a smaller niche? That's a great question. So that allows me to really talk about our secret. We are delicious food that's healthy. We are not healthy food that claims to be delicious. I've had some healthy food that claims to be delicious. It really wasn't delicious. So there's a lot of brands out there. There's a few brands out there that even in their names, they talk about protein or muscles or um, healthy food, and they really are not doing as well as some others. I think that's the key to our entire piece is we're delicious food that happens to be healthy. We use all fresh, natural chicken. We use fresh vegetables that we cut every day, and we pair it with our nine sauces that we make in-house and our uh, rice or, or noodle base that really is some of the best around. So we really focus on quality ingredients, and that's one of the things that uh, the new generations and folks are really looking for. I think they're tired of eating crap. They want something that really feels good, doesn't make them feel crappy after they eat. And that's really kind of our claim to fame. I do think people are starting to watch with the, I'm watching the plant-based burgers kind of, uh, or chicken kind of make their way into the market. Heck, we've been serving plant-based meals for 2,000 years. We've got tofu on our menu. (laughs) That kind of begs the question, uh, does one need to know how to work chopsticks when it comes to one of your... No, no, that's a great question, too. We've got something called a fork chop, and it's a combination fork and chopstick, so you can pretend to use your chopsticks while people are looking, and as soon as they look away, you can switch it and use the fork. Oh, wow. I wish you had one. I'd like to see it. I'll, I'll I'll talk to Allison and see if we can get a picture of it. We'll add it into the post. Um, there you go. Allison will send it over. <laughs> when this finally does broadcast live video, we'll we'll it'll be even funnier then. Ah, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So uh, we've one of our previous guests, uh, Larry Broughton, CEO of Broughton Hotels. We got in discussion of how um, artificial intelligence is affecting the hospitality industry. Uh, have you, how do you see it uh, affecting you, your, you as a franchisor, your franchisees, and the people that work for them? Um, yeah, that's an that's a interesting question. So we see McDonald's and those folks uh, really adding artificial intelligence to their drive-through menus and that kind of thing. Where we see it is we see it with things like, I don't know if it's artificial intelligence, but geofencing, where someone will order through the app. We'll see them drive up on our on our app, and we'll be able to run the food out to their car. We'll also learn who's who, so we'll know what their uh, what they have ordered in the past, what their preferences are, 
we love on some level facial recognition. So when somebody walks in the door, our um, our team up front at the at the counter can go ahead and say, "Hi, Fred. Hey, Ray. How are you doing? Would you like spicy chicken again today?" That's cool stuff. That really allows us to um, integrate in the community and really helps the staff learn who the regulars are. And nothing builds a restaurant or some kind of retail with knowing your customers and making them feel like they're at home. That's true. It's true. It can get a little creepy, though. (laughs) It can get creepy. There's a line there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I've only walked in the place one time and I walk in the second time and they know my name, I'd say, Wow, either either they got artificial intelligence or they don't have very many customers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, am I their only customer? So no. Um I, I got to ask the artificial intelligence question. We haven't even gone down the rabbit hole yet, so I'm real happy yeah. there. So go ahead. You got the next one, my friend. <laughs> well, no, no, it's uh Time for a commercial again. Um, no, actually, I ran ran the ones we're running today. Um, sparse day. Don't worry about it. I'll put it in later. Just oh, okay. All right. Up to All you, right. my friend. <laughs> so, the, you know, the, this concept sounds uh, so interesting and so uh, simplistic. It's that you know, I, I like I, I mentioned before, I, I would probably stay away from uh, the the food industry. But you know, if I was to invest in something I, in a food industry, I think this would be the one because it, the the entire business model sounds uh, easy. We never use that word, but we just say. <laughs> well, they're, none of them are easy. But let me let me put rephrase it and say it's easier. <laughs> It is easier. We really focus, once again, experience uh, and the experience of the team. We know that simple equals profitability. Uh, We understand that we are a restaurant. Not everybody likes restaurants. But if you like to cook and, you know, you've got that predilection, then we can go ahead and and do a pretty simple model. You know, we're not sandwich artists. It's not just peel off some meat, throw it in some bread. But we are um, much simpler than than most brands. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of the cornerstone to what makes us successful. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. You know, it sounds like something I wouldn't mind getting involved in. But uh, right now, at, at my age, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> no, he's going to drive up in a sixty foot um, recreational vehicle. I got it right that time, didn't I? <laughs> And have somebody running food out to them. So, what what do you um, what do you see are the emerging trends in the both the fr- restaurant franchising industry as well as the franchising industry as a whole? The trends. There's some worrying trends, and there's really some encouraging trends. I think um, the franchise brokers are becoming a major part of franchising. Uh, that's good news, and it's bad news. There's some um, 
groups out there like like Nix, like Franchise Consulting Company, that are really professional. And there's some others who really just take a name and a number, and it really doesn't matter the value of the brand, or it doesn't matter if it's a good match. They're just there for the, the check that they get paid. I think there's maybe some regulation coming that's going to um, really address that. I think that um, there's also on the franchisor side, because of the brokers, um, there's some franchisors don't, that don't necessarily have a solid proven business model that is being sold by some of these brokers. They don't really ask or understand um, the business model, but some of these franchisors have one unit or zero units, and they're out there selling franchises. That's a new trend. I've been doing this for 20 years. I've really never seen that before. On the good side, I think that the franchisors who have a proven business model that know what they're doing are really finding ways to find really good franchisees. Um, I'm, I'm getting older here, and I've watched the word entrepreneur become uh, not a, a bad word, and now it's a great word. There's so many people who want to own their own business and take control of their own destiny. Uh, folks who really want to um, have their hard work serve themselves versus others. Uh, that's a trend I'm seeing. I think that um, um, regulation is uh, it's back and forth on franchising and other businesses. I think there's a lot of discussion still to be had about um, the separation between um, owned employees or uh, is a franchisor, um, are the employees part of a franchisor? That all needs to be sorted out. In my mind and from my perspective, I, it's very clean cut. I don't control the franchisees employed, nor do they want me, nor do the franchisees want me to. Um, so there's there's a few of those things, but on the upside, I think that uh, people get so much gratification from owning their own business. They realize um, the benefits of their hard work. They realize the benefit of um, their risk taking, and that risk can be mitigated. Um, I think that money is available if one works hard to to, to go out there and find the, the funders and the financiers. Um, so I'm very bullish on, on franchising, um, um, very bullish on that as a business model. Restaurants, on the other hand, they're very built out. There's a lot of restaurants out there. And we're seeing a lot of restaurant brands, um, quite a few restaurant brands, who are past maturity. And it's time for them to kind of move on while the new guys like Teriyaki Madness and Fast Casual um, – and, and some others who have some points of differentiation um, really kind of take their place. So as maybe the economy weakens a little bit in the years to come, I think there will be some opportunities for that evolution to kind of go go full circle, allow um, some some of the new guys in, and um, that's that's very interesting. So you asked a very big question. You got a very big answer. It's something that I think about on – on such a daily basis, it's my job, right? Mm -hmm. It's my job to think about what are the threats and the opportunities and, and how do we go ahead and address everything? Yeah. So yeah. you've been a, a franchisee and a franchisor. And when I talk to franchisees, Ray included, they're attracted to the system. The, the It's a proven business is another um, phrase Ray use, uses. Um, 
And so I get, I understand the franchisee mindset. And yet a franchisor is usually somebody who goes out there and says, I'm going to take this and build this and turn it into a franchise. So how's that mindset? You've been kind of on both sides of it. So how's the mindset differ? Uh, um, I do think that franchisors are um, a bit more risk takers. They're, they're builders. Much well, It's not true. I, it's really hard to answer that question without throwing just giant stereotypes at things. Go ahead. Uh, a franchisor so is, is, is willing to take more risk. I, you know, I've always been willing to go into business models that are not yet completely proven out. Um, but I've been a franchisee, and it was my first business. And I really liked the opportunity to take somebody else's experiences, uh, positive and lots of negatives, and be able to leverage that and and vastly mitigate my risk. Uh, so I think that maybe is the mindset is. I'm going to use the word risk, Ray. What, what do you think the answer to that question? What's the word for you? <laughs> well, I got to tell you, when I when I uh, told uh, my relatives that I what I was going to do, they looked at me square in the eye and they said, "Are you nuts?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, I I think probably for the first at least three years I thought I've got to be crazy to do this. You know, but then it uh, then it started to pay off. So, uh, so our audience listening out there, yeah, it's tough. It's tough, especially in the beginning, and you're going to wear every hat that that's conceivable out there. From uh, in my case, fixing vacuum cleaners and and working on cars and, and cleaning toilets and cleaning toilets. You know, but uh, uh, once you get past that and you have the right people in place and uh, that, that that means thinking about the end in mind, and uh, Stephen Covey was the one who came up with that one. Um, when you start thinking in the beginning about the end, then you begin to realize that it it it, it will come to fruition, uh, and you will have a, a much better ending to everything. You know, if I I, I may, Ray, I, the three years really resonated with me. We tell uh, franchisees it takes a thousand days. It takes a thousand days before you really start seeing some of your expectations being met. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it's always been four years before I'm, I'm making real money. Mm -hmm. um, I, it's, it's one of the things that we really try and tell candidates before they come into Teriyaki Madness is, boy, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, yeah. Oh, most definitely. One of the things that came to mind when we were talking, you were talking about how you uh, you owned a franchise and you're now you're a franchisor. Um, and I began to think, and the thing we haven't discussed uh, regarding yourself is uh, young Michael, you know, growing up, what do you think guided you down this path towards the franchising and, and franchisors and franchisees? What, what do you think, you know, in your life, was uh, turned you down this path of whoa oh no sorry i have i have never been asked that question before <laughs> I, I think opportunity you know as an entrepreneur i i tend to kind of just bumble through life and when i see an opportunity i i jump on it this is about my eighth or ninth business mm -hmm. um 
I, you know, you see opportunity and you're going to make a decision. Do I make the leap or not? Um, I, I, you know, I've got to say, make the right decision or make the decision right. Mm-hmm. I have never made the right decision. Never in my life have I made the right decision. I've always spent four years making the decision right. So, yeah. 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 You know, I, I, I'm a little impulsive. I say, God, that looks great. I'm going to go do it. And then I end up spending a huge amount of time making it the right decision. Yeah. And, 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 and you- That deserves a, a long applause. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I did not know what that was. <laughs> That's an applause. That's an applause. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Some of Fred's uh, files there are, are a little weird. <laughs> they sound good to the the podcast listeners, so it's all good, folks. It's all good. Go ahead, Ray. <laughs> I love uh, the Are we getting to that point where we want to ask people uh, the, the last question, or do you want to go down? Well, I will. Question? So we're we're okay on time um, because of the issues we've had earlier today. But mm-hmm. I will ask the, as he says with trepidation, given everything that's gone wrong today, I will ask ask the grandchild question. One of my favorite. Um, what advice uh, would you give to my grandson, Max, on how to be successful in life? Wow. <laughs> That's a big question. Um, That's why I do the show. You know, big I, goals. <laughs> I, 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 I believe that listening more than talking is um, – unbelievably important to success. Um, That's a a bit to say humility goes an awfully long way. I I have had so many people help me in my career and in my life and appreciate them. I just saw the Mr. Rogers movie and he, he asked someone else to just take a minute and think about all the people that have helped you in your life and um, be able to, to realize that, that it's so much easier to do it with others and simply asking others to help. I, I've probably gotten more out of just asking someone a question or just asking them for their opinion or their help to be better learning than any other one thing. So to summarize, humility, listen, learn. And um, when, you, I, when you identify people who really seem to know what they're doing, I'll use that word seem to know what they do they're doing. Um, ask them. Ask them for some help. Ask them for some questions. It's always a huge ego boost when somebody asks me something like that and I love helping them. See, I thought you were gonna say be irreverent, but that's okay. <laughs> have a point of differentiation. I wish I would have thought of that. Always be a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, right. <laughs> Do you have a deeper question than that? He's got a better one, but, you know, um, go for it, Ray. Okay. Uh, The the last question then. Um, So we've piqued a lot of people with interest in in your franchise. 
How do they get a hold of you? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, we have a unique way of, of um, getting people information, talking to them, running them through our process to see if it's going to work for them. Um, it's franchise at teriyakimadness.com, and that email goes to the entire development team. They'll leap out of their chairs. They'll go ahead and respond very quickly, and um, they'll be able to help you with whatever you'd like. We also have a very, very deep website. It's teriyakimadness.com. Very simple to remember, and that has um, income statements for every franchisee that's been in business for more than two years. It talks about what's needed as far as investment, uh, what the work hours are like, what's expected of you. Um, there's a good two, three, four hours of reading in there. We are fully transparent. We provide a ton of information and uh, everyone on the team, including the CEO, me, we have conversations with you to get you more information and be able to give you our real opinion of whether we think you can be successful at Terry Academy. Talk about transparency. Wow. You have the financial information of some of your franchises right on the webpage. That's, that's really transparent. I think it's unique, but once yeah. again, I, I would, if I'm going to become part of a community and I'm going to invest a large amount of money, I want to make sure that I can trust the people that I'm going into business with. Mm. Absolutely. Fred? On that note, um, we'll thank Michael Haith for being on the show today. Uh, we'll be edit, doing some editing, folks, so you can see the video later. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, have a great week. Be profitable. Enjoy it because if you don't enjoy your week, no one's going to do it for you. That's right. Thank you, Michael. Thanks. 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 Thanks.